you are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek. Hey everybody, it's Melissa. And this is Dane. And we're glad to be back with you. I loved the interviews I just finished doing with some of my dearest, dearest friends. I hope y'all are enjoying the interviews. Such unique people come through our program. It's absolutely amazing. And we're at kind of a busy time of year. I start the equine facilitator program back up April 3rd. Orientation is March 29th. So when you're hearing this podcast, it's probably very, very soon. And it's such a fun program. We have lots of people signed up for it, a really great class. And, you know, it starts and it runs for nine months. So it won't happen again until next April. But if anybody listening is interested in this year's class of equine facilitator, you can get information on our website and also at my office, ask for Cheryl. The office number is 303-440-7120. So last minute, Charlie Brown's totally welcome for that. Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown. That's an old expression, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> an old expression. He used to, uh, Charles Schultz used to keep his mules on my Arizona farm. Yeah. So I, I had the I've pleasure heard. of yeah. meeting him and his daughter and, and their mules and all of that. So in my book, Epona Lisa, the mules that play rugby in the book, that's because I had just met you and I was kind of crazy about yeah, you. I feel honored. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had the mules play rugby, which is pretty true. Well, gosh, we've been busy around here, too. We have what we call our GCM class, which is the master's level class of our gestaltus. And our freshman class was just here for a week. And then we have our juniors coming in for two weeks now. So that's busy. Right. And you said they just knocked it out of the park. The, oh, the freshmen were awesome. What a wonderful group. They were so good. And, you know, unusual for our freshman class in that group, I would say they were all very much at the same level of experience, like number of clients and groups are going and things happening and they've done retreats. And that's a real pleasure for me because they know to ask what they don't know, you know, and uh, yeah, it was just fun. It was really great. The unfortunate thing about the GCM class is that you guys are in class all day. True. And then usually I'm able to interject with people. Get in, yeah. But it just sort of doesn't happen as much. In GCM, it does. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Last fall, you were home on Friday mornings, so you sat in the closing round, which right. was really sweet. And not this Friday, but maybe next Friday, you'll get a chance to do that again before we leave for Coronado. Maybe. So be great. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, be good. Be good if you can. They love you like I love you. Yeah. Well, during this last, we call them camps, during this last one-week camp with the freshman group, we got on the topic of helping people recover from serious horse accidents or horse wrecks, whatever they want to be called. But, you know, it, it isn't just like rugby. It isn't the safest sport in the world. And, you know, I think anybody who's ridden horses for any length of time or ridden young horses, et cetera, et cetera, have had incidences where they end up being hurt. So we got on that part of my Gestalt methodology truly, truly helps people. It's a method that I created within my method, I should say a technique within my method, to help people recover from serious horse accidents. So we did one last week and then processed it. And then I shared a story 
about Maverick, the big wreck that I had on that beautiful gray horse Maverick. But it brought up for me just a lot of thoughts I thought we would share with our listeners today. And two short stories and one long story, I guess. You know, I've been blessed to have had hundreds of horses in my life. And I've been a guest on their back. And I've ridden at a show level, a world show level, many times. I've worked with some of the best trainers in the country. I've had an opportunity to judge uh, small horse shows and to train horses and to start colts and just a really big career, a lot of which I no longer do today. But over the years, I've talked in the podcast about birthing foals out. You know, I've just been really, really blessed to have an unusual, large, successful career. However, <laughs> yeah, I've told the story of my first horse, but my second horse was a really sweet little two-year-old that my dad helped me purchase from a trainer, and he had 30 days of training on him. He was a two-year-old. And I really, I was young, I was 11 and a half years old, and I wanted to finish him myself. So I worked hard with my trainer to finish him for the show ring. And to start him as a two-year-old, I had him many, many, many years. We won all kinds of stuff together. But as a two-year-old, while I had an amazing seat on horses at that time, we were on a little farm And at the end of the driveway was a two-lane but very busy road called Broadway Road in Tempe, Arizona. And it was a two-lane road at that time. So if you live in in Tempe, Arizona, imagine Broadway as a two-lane. It's a huge highway today. But the little farm connected directly to Broadway Road. And we would, on human legs, run across Broadway Road, you know, to get to the farm after school and all that. And we would ride our horses out. And in order to really get off the farm very far, we would end up riding across that road into a field and then out to the canal banks. So we we knew the road well and we knew what time of day it was busy and what time of day it was not and all of that kind of stuff. Well, one afternoon after school, probably about 4.30, so it was getting to be the busier time for the road, I thought, well, I'll take my two-year-old Zandy down this road, uh, down our driveway, not down Broadway Road, but down the driveway, a little gravel driveway, and just let him stand and watch the cars. I thought it would be the next logical step to getting him kind of desensitized for what it was like when these cars went by. Well, on the right side of me were these very large 35-year-old olive trees, and olive trees are kind of a gray-silver leaf. They're very, very thick and very, very tall. So it was like a really good fence to the rest of the farm on the driveway on that side. And on the other side was a pretty reasonably sized grass ditch that was full of running water for the irrigation as an alfalfa field around the farm. And they were getting ready to irrigate the alfalfa field. So the ditch is running. No big deal. He had seen the ditch before. We didn't go in the water, but he had seen the ditch before. So I leave the arena. I walk him past the barn. We start up the driveway toward where the cars are. And his little ears were perked 
just so focused on Broadway Road. It's straight ahead of him. It's quite a few yards ahead, but he is locked on to every once in a while the view was a car going by or a semi going by or whatever was going by. So he had a hundred percent focus on that when the farm owner, Phyllis, her little paint miniature donkey, cute as could be, Jeanette, stuck her head out from between the olive trees and startled him down to his bones. I mean, just freaked him out. So she sticks her head out. He's looking forward. He shies to the left while I'm on him. He's going to kind of run sideways to the left and turn around. But when he went to spin, he's on top of the ditch. So then he decides, well, shoot, I don't want to land in the water. Being an athlete, he leaps up into the air. Now he's concerned about the Jenny again. So he turns midair and I go, flying off of him over his head by then it was too many maneuvers for me and I go flying off of him and no helmet and no of course not back in the day we didn't wear helmets you're right so I land on my back and it knocks the wind out of me and at that time I had hair down to my hind end very very long very thick brown hair and my hair is kind of sprawled out behind my head kind of all over he comes down one two his two hind hooves kind of off the edge of my feet. So he didn't land on me that way. And then he comes down with his forehand and he ends up with one hoof with the wind knocked out of me, kind of resting gently in my belly, just definitely trying not to step on me. And thank God he didn't step on my face. And then his other hoof landed kind of next to my head and shoulder, but it was right in my hair. And he was a two-year-old. He had cute little shoes on. So now... Newt Farnham, who was one of the the workers on the ranch, he had a business there. He sees this wreck. He really realized this kid could be dead. She could just be dead. He comes over and he thinks to himself, because he's a very good horseman. He actually was the Marlboro man in the first Marlboro ads. Yeah, anyway, we'll talk about Newt sometime too. (laughs) He was a very cool dude, very cool dude. He thought to himself, you know, if I go running over there to help her, I don't know if she's tied up with this colt. I don't know if he's going to step on her to get away. So he knew better than that. He knew to really breathe and take his time because this colt could step on my face, my head, anything. He wasn't going to. I loved my baby, but still he could have. And he got all the way over. He gets a hold of his reins on his face and soothes the colt. I'm kind of coming to. And he says to me, don't move even if you can. And I see this horse right on top of me, right? And he says, the problem is your hair is caught in his shoe and his front right leg. So he takes his cowboy knife out and he cuts around the hoof. He cuts my hair with a freaking knife. (laughs) (laughs) I realized much later when I forgave him that he could have saved my life. I do realize that I could have been drugged by my hair, all kinds of cautionary tales to this one. But I got up with long hair on three quarters of my head and right next to the left side of my face was a horseshoe cut out of my hair. And I wanted to leave it that way and let it grow out. But of course, my mom wouldn't let me do that. I got my first short haircut of my life after that wreck. But you know, the funny thing was my mom, who knew nothing about horses, was really angry with the colt. And I was not. Everybody was like, you know, kind of had their opinions and debates. But to me, he got placed into a real 
really tough situation and he did the best he could with the knowledge he had up until that time. And I did the best I could to stay on him to ride him through his gymnastics, which didn't work. And I got a big lesson. I got a really big lesson that day. One, if a horse is solidly focused in on anything, really looking at something, make sure you ask them to look to their left and their right. You know, that's for the rider to make sure they're aware of their surroundings, not just riveted on whatever they're looking at straight ahead. But anyway, that was my wreck on Zandy. And that was my very first time ever coming off the back of a horse with all the things I had been doing, riding bareback all over the county and swimming horses and everything well, else. Plus you were like really young. And oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Take the hit. No without, kidding. Yeah, 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 exactly. Believe me. So the second wreck I had, I've probably told you about, but we had a farm in Flagstaff, Arizona, which was 25 degrees cooler than our farm in Cave Creek in the heat of the summer. And I went and picked up my filly, Tori. She also was a young and she was three. She had a good year of training on her. She, she was what I thought of as very nicely coming along and, and being broke. And I bring a bunch of horses up and they leave 110 degrees and they end up at 80 and it feels exhilarating to them. They really get a big charge out of it and a lot of energy from it. So one day not paying attention at all to my intuition or anything else, I went and got Tori probably the second day we were up there for the summer and got her and saddled her up and she was what horsemen call on the muscle. She was very, had a lot of wind in her lungs. She had a lot of energy in her muscles. She was ready to go. And instead of going back and lunging her for a bit or turning her loose in an arena to run for a little bit and get that edge off a little bit, I thought, nah, she's got a year under her. And I swear to you, I heard a voice that said, do not just get on her. And I'm like, eh, you know, I'm stubborn. Did you yeah, know? Did I'll you know? Okay. Did you know I was stubborn? No, no, no. <laughs> Smart man. Um, so I kept going and I'm walking her down. I'm not on her back. I'm leading her down to this little arena that we had in Flagstaff. And on two sides of the arena, I had turned some of my other horses out in two different paddocks that surrounded the arena. And so they're off in the trees and they're having fun and they're doing stuff. And I still hear this voice because she's jigging next to me. She's just kind of, you know, not jogging. She's just jigging. She's kind of full of sort her of energy. Like you were on your seat. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I just showed you, but yeah. now I realize the podcast people can't see me bouncing up and down. Yeah. So I go through that. Anyway, I get on her. Long story short, I get on her and the geldings who I thought loved me, those SOBs, all got excited seeing her and ran toward the arena. They couldn't get in the arena, but they ran the fence line of it with all their energy, merely celebrating the cool weather and celebrating being back up on that farm that they love so much. They were celebrating and she should have been able to celebrate too. But unfortunately, she celebrated with me on her back. And about the fourth time her forehand hit the ground, they tell me, I came off. I stayed on pretty well for four really good bucks. But the fourth time, she put a little bit more energy in it. They remind us every time we ride them, we are a guest upon their back. <laughs> Unless you're a world champion bronc rider, you're, you're a guest. And so I came off. I had to drive myself to the ER, which I did. Went in all full of red flagstaff dirt. I had not broken anything. I was about 32 years old, so I bounced pretty well. Hadn't broken anything. I was sore. Oh, my God, was I sore. 
and uh, and I paid the price in soreness more than anything else. So that was only the second time. I've ridden hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of horses for thousands and thousands of hours, and twice out of all that time. That's not too bad. Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about, working in partnership with the magic of horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business hosting group experiences with horses. Our equine gestaltist program prepares you to open your own private gestalt practice in partnership with horses. And our master equine gestaltist program builds your gestalt skills both in and outside the round pen. All of our programs include in-depth live classes, business growth training, and a supportive community of herd members to collaborate with and learn from. Visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com to learn more about which program is right for you and your healing herd. So anyway, I come along. Now I'm really cocky, right? Now I'm old. <laughs> we move into this place eight years this summer. It'll right. be, do you realize? It'll yeah. be eight years this July. From when we moved in, I wanted to have our big annual event summit. So we moved in in the end of July. Summit was eight weeks away. I had construction going on everywhere on this farm, plus continued teaching, my cores, plus summit, and after it, I taught ES 101 with Joyce Kaufer. Yeah, and we also have a lot of stuff. So we oh had my it gosh, like yeah, totally squared away. No, we didn't have our beautiful sheds that we have now for putting everything away right, after right. Summit. We didn't. We were not set up yet, which all would have been okay. But I'm teaching class with Joyce. We're seated in chairs, and it's a little circle of women taking this Equine Studies 101 class from us. And it was exactly what it says, 101, basics, right? So one of the students asked, it was the last morning, and it was the last day I needed to work or had any obligations for the wintertime. So, I mean, from that time in October, I didn't have to kind of pull my act together until February. So I was really looking forward to some time off, some time to unpack boxes, move into our home, get things done. So my, I, I was just ready for the class to be done. So one of the students raises her hand and she says, I don't understand what the word fly change means. I've heard fly change, but I don't get what it is. Joyce looks at me knowing that I had one of the prettiest fly changing horses in the world in this horse, Maverick. And she said, what do you think? Could you saddle up Maverick and show them? Because it's easier than telling them, which is true. And I said, sure. So I didn't want to do it. I went to his stall and got him. They continued on with class. They couldn't see me. Went on to his stall. I was in a grumpy, you know, end of season, rolling my eyes, done mood. And he could feel that. They are so wise. So he left the stall and went out in the run. And he's standing there. And I'm thinking to myself and kind of saying to him, don't give me your crap. Come on, horse. And so I, I just went out and haltered him anyway and brought him forward. I went against who I am. I went against what I teach. I went against what my intuition told me to do. I went against beautiful Maverick and I got the halter on him, brought him out and he was jumpy and he's not usually jumpy. He's an extremely well-broke, finished Western pleasure horse with the best manners and he knows his job and he certainly knows how to do what he needs to do. 
He then is in the cross ties. I get him uh, tied up. And we had just finished Summit, like I said. So I didn't have everything put away. And there was a wood stool in the aisleway. The wood stool had a box of Keurig coffee pods on it. These Keurig coffee pods were just sitting in this box without a top on top of a stool. No big deal. Right to the left of where Maverick was. I get him saddled. I'm still sort of correcting him, over-correcting him a lot, like stand still. I'm just grumpy with him, and I'm never grumpy with my horses. I work hard at not doing that because I know how sensitive they are. So he was a little nervous as it stood. He was a little nervous, and I put my left foot in the stirrup. I go to get up on his back. I'm halfway up on his back when a gust of wind blows the Keurig coffee pods out onto the concrete floor and they start rolling with this gust of wind up underneath him. Scared the crud out of the horse, right? So he reacted, of course, and I'm halfway on and he began bucking going onto the dirt arena through the gate and he began spooking really from these coffee pods and I went off the right side. So I mounted on the left. I kind of flop onto him and ungracefully flop off to the left and I hit the ground. I landed with my right arm at my rib cage and broke eight of my ribs. Worst wreck I've ever had of any wreck of any kind in my life, knock on wood. It was so painful. My little shih tzu dog came and sat on my face. I still don't know why. Maybe she was trying to smother me. I don't know. And my, <laughs> my Bernie's mountain dog laid on my back, which didn't help my ribs be, or the pain, but he did so because the horse was running around the arena because he was spooked. So he's running all around. They catch the horse. They come over to me. And long story short, you got a phone call that I was in the hospital, right? Well, that you were going, you were on your way to the ER. And it, that turned into sort of a cluster because they tried to take you to the urgent care. Oh, yeah. The urgent care yeah. And, yeah. Well, it should have been a 911 with exactly. an ambulance right. picking me up so that I didn't send one of these ribs through my lung, right? So that was stupid on all our parts. And, and so, yes, I got out of the car at the urgent care who looked at me and laughed. And I went on to the hospital, which is a long ways from our farm. Got into the hospital and then had to go through everything from x-rays to all the intake, all the stuff before they can give you anything for pain. They need to ask you a lot of questions that with eight broken, not cracked, not not fractured, broken ribs uh, is so painful to breathe, so painful to talk or do anything else. So I was in there nine days and were you worried about me? Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 I, uh... I was extremely worried. I knew it wasn't like a life or death situation. I've been around a lot of trauma, you know, with rugby and just, but I was really concerned. Yeah. 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 I, I never asked you this great time to ask you on a live podcast, but were you mad at, at Maverick at the horse? No, I had, I, I wasn't mad at the horse oh, at good, all. Oh, yeah. good, 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 good. Because a lot of people knew, would have been. Yeah, I knew it was just sort of a Ugh. coincidental type 
deal. Yeah, it would just, to me, it was so not his fault. And I kept saying that to anybody that would listen to me, even though I was on drugs (laughs) after that and a ton of pain and in the hospital nine days. I wanted to make sure everybody here feeding him and take care, you know, taking care of him knew that I was in no way mad at him. I mean, the truth of the story is I went against my intuition. I should have said right then when I felt like I didn't, I didn't have what it took to do it that day. I should have said to, to Joyce, you know what? I'm just too burned out today. I'm really too tired, but I'll film it and we'll put it, we'll send you guys the film. It would have been a logical, you know, thing to do. And instead I hoped that Maverick could do something you know, that really wasn't fair to ask him to do with me in that space. So it it was horrendous. Gosh, I spent, once I got home, which was the most, second most painful thing I did because we were driving on our driveway ah, on the farm back in the day when it had a lot of ruts when we bought the place and um, got home and then spent three months on a lazy boy sofa because I couldn't even get in our bed. And heavily medicated. (laughs) Yes, heavily <laughs> medicated, heavily medicated on all the oxys that they will give you. And I, gosh, I got a big lesson out of that too, because remember we had that, that big, big storm and we couldn't get the refill of the pills. Right, remember that? Yeah, yeah. And we knew we needed the refill, but we were supposed to see the doctor that day. And because of the storm, I couldn't do that. I couldn't move enough. Didn't want to drive in ice and snow. Uh, to the doctor. So anyway, long story short, we don't get the pills and I go cold turkey off them for a three-day weekend. And I, I, I really have a heart for anybody who's had to go off of narcotics, like boom, because it's awful. The shakes and the nausea and the, just everything that goes on and your brain tells you that you want these damn drugs. Yeah, I recall that, all of we, that we couldn't figure it out until we put Two and two together. Why I was yeah, sick. And yeah. then you were the one that did figure it out. I said, oh my God, I'm getting the flu now. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And you said, you know what? I think you're in withdrawal. And as soon as you said it, I thought that's it. But good news was I went back to the doctor Tuesday. She offered me big prescriptions for narcotics that I said, oh, hell no. And ended up taking Tylenol and just gutting the pain out the rest of the way and felt better doing that than than not doing it. I think you took very good care of me. I want to thank you for I did. that. I took Cause you great did. Care of you me. did. You waited on me hand and foot, brought me my medication, helped me stay sane through the whole thing. And then I hated it. You'd go in our bedroom to go to bed and I'd have to be out in the family room on that damn chair. And um, yeah, it was hard. It was yeah. a really hard time for us for sure. So I think the point of all of it is that horse wrecks are not common. I will say that. To me, the big thing, and most of my girlfriends who have ridden their whole lives will say a similar thing. What matters so much is the human has been illogical. The human has been in an altered space. The hu- it, it, I just blame it all on us. I don't know. And your it's not, intuition, right? not always true, but yeah, I really think they give us every hint they possibly can, you know, that things are not okay. Either our energy isn't okay or they're not okay beforehand. So we have a lot of opportunity to avoid it. Again, not always possible, but to avoid it. And I, I just don't see it in my cases, in my three cases, as being the horse's fault. 
Now, I will tell you, it took me a long time to get the guts up. The physical health, six months with broken ribs. You don't lift anything or do anything. I think on the seventh month, I got back on a horse. I moved Maverick on to another person. And the reason I did was no fault to his, but every time he got near me and I got near him, boom, the fear just you know, multiplied for both of us. And I said to myself, self, you don't need to have any ego or prove anything to this horse or prove anything to yourself. So do what's right for this animal. And he went on to a lovely family and has had a really good additional eight years of his life. And I got into my riding and, and, uh, took, took it easy, building back my confidence and building myself back. But this gestalt way, that my graduates have that I developed for getting over things like that really does help. So if you've had a bad car accident or a bad horse wreck, both of those things for sure, or fell down a flight of stairs, something like that, the leftover trauma from that can be alleviated by this system that I have created. So reach out to me, Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-A at touchedbyhorse.com. Be happy to guide you to either a time when I can do it or a time when one of my grads can help you through that and to get get rid of that feeling and that panicky feeling for sure. So anyway, we just wanted to share those wrecks today. Happy. Yeah, I'm glad you're <laughs> glad you're doing well. Thank you, yeah. baby. You know the interesting thing is how kind the body is because the my ribs don't hurt at all and I think if you break some bones in your body it, they hurt with like snow coming in right, right, and that right. kind of stuff, or you get arthritis with it or whatever. But the rib cage, which had separated all the way from the the wall it's encased in, totally knitted itself back together. And I'm I'm good as new. I don't ever have any pain with my ribs. So I don't know. Lucky girl, I guess. You know, thank you, Hope Through Horses, for being a partial sponsor for this broadcast. We appreciate you greatly. Look up hopethroughhorses.com. And if you can, send them a little love, send them a little check. They would be most appreciative. They do a lot of great things in the world. So please look them up. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening to our podcast. And thank 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 you, you, baby, for doing this with me. Yeah, I can't. uh, This is sort of our Beginning of our season, so to speak. You yeah, know? well, so. that's really true. Gosh, we have the month of April to kind of surf around a little bit. So we'll tell you that we do different things in the month of April. And then, boy, do I hit it. May, yeah. Ju- We both do. May, June, July are solid training and cores, and we love it, but it's a lot. So wish me luck on my next two weeks of GCM. Right? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might need it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Take care. Blessed be. Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com. Or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.